Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. Today is week five of our current series, Take the Lead. And the title of today's message is Go for the Win. We hope you guys enjoy today's word. Amen. Amen. Good morning. How you doing? Good. Got to tell somebody, neighbor, neighbor. you win. win. Got to tell somebody else, neighbor, neighbor. you win. Gonna tell somebody else, neighbor, I win. Oh, come on now. Listen, if you believe that, go ahead and give God a praise. Go ahead and clap. Well, today is what is commonly known by many as Super Bowl Sunday. Thank God for the four Christians that love football. The rest of you, we're praying for you. Uh, No, it's awesome. Hey, look, uh, so today we are diving back into the series that we've been on. We've been talking about the series Taking the Lead. And what we've been seeing is that God wants us to take the lead in life where he's leading us. In other words, it takes initiative, right? If you've been waiting on God, right, I just want you to know that God's been waiting on you, right? God leads us, he guides us, he invites us to great things. But today I want to talk to you uh, from a standpoint, you know, I was, I was going to wear the Christian jersey today, the Giants jersey. Um, I see that there are some of you that, you know, we're praying for you. You're wearing Jets jerseys, Phillies jerseys, Browns jerseys, Cleveland Browns, Steelers jerseys. You know, we, I mean, we're praying for you guys. We got one guy who said, you know what? It, I, it's not enough that he's a Jets fan. He's also a Mets fan. So he wore a Mets jersey over a Jets jersey. So we're going to really pray. No, let me stop. Look, we love all teams. We love all people here. But today I want to talk to you not from the standpoint of representing a particular team, but I really believe that God's word serves kind of like a referee. Let me tell you what I mean. It gives us the guidelines to win in the game. It provides us the boundaries. And I don't know about you, but I've never watched a sport where the ref gives you the inside scoop on how to win. But in the kingdom of God, that's how it works. All right, so you should be rejoicing today. So today my assignment really is to point you to God's word. And my prayer is that you begin to see that God really did create you to win. He created you to win. But there's a formula, there's a recipe that you and I must follow. And so it all begins with the foundational text that we've been looking at over the last several weeks. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. And I want, I want to invite you to read this with me because I feed off of you. You know that, right? I need, I need your energy. So ready? One, two, three. Let's read this together. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. God's building. Come on, give yourselves a clap. You sound great. Now watch this. You just read God's word to yourself. And what God tells you and I is this, that we are co-workers. We are called to cooperate. We are called to coexist. We are called to co-labor. God wants us to live in partnership with him for a purpose. God calls you and I a field and a building. And the last time I checked, a field is useful to grow something. A building is useful to erect something. 
to solidify something. And so there's something that God wants to do in you and I. There's something that God wants to do in the church. But watch this. It can't happen without you. Co-workers. If you agree with this statement, do, how many of you agree with this statement? I need God. You agree with that? Okay. Right? You, you, but here's the other half of that that you need to see based on the scriptures. God needs you. God needs you. For God to bring about your breakthrough, for God to lead you into victory, he needs you. We sang some amazing songs today. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory for the battle is the Lord's. But get this, it's his battle. But if you're not in cooperation with him, the win is yours. But you just won't walk into it. And so there's something amazing that God invites us to as the church and as his people. In week one of this series, we learned that if we're going to take the lead into those places that God is inviting us, where he's leading us towards, it takes a commitment. It takes a commitment. You got to say, I'm all in on this. I'm following God. I'm, I'm sticking with the kingdom. I'm trusting his ways. I know it gets hard. I know it seems impossible. I know the enemy comes at you. I know that things go haywire around you, but it takes commitment. In week two, we learned that there's a necessary connection, that we're not called to do this thing about life with God independent of one another. I made a statement during that sermon that was, that's very true according to Scripture, and what I said was, this. I said, to love you is to love God. Because you're made in his image. The Bible says that if we're united to him, we're one spirit with him. And so to love God is to love you, and to love you is to love God. In week three, we learned that people that care, carry. That the church is made up of people that advance and shoulder the mission of God's kingdom as we care and carry one another. And then last week we talked about partnership with God. And what we were looking at was that the gospel is advanced, that this kingdom works as we, his people, take seriously the call to add value, to release resources, and to sow generously into the kingdom of God and what God is calling us to do as the local church. Today, I want to encourage you with the topic of go for the win. Go for the win. Going to say that with me. Go for the win. Now, listen, you're telling me that. But I want you to realize that God calls you and I to win. And there's a formula to that. And oftentimes we minimize the win in life, what God has for us, because we have such a narrow view of what winning actually means. There's nothing more fulfilling than investing yourself into God's work through the church. It blesses you, but watch this, it also blesses others. You know, victory doesn't happen alone. Winning doesn't happen alone. Serving God's people is the path that ensures that everyone wins and that you can share in God's greatest joy. Let me give you an example of that. Today, 53 men in a couple of hours are going to lift their hands in victory. They're going to be wearing their team jersey. They're going to be shouting. They're going to be throwing Gatorade at each other. I'm still trying to figure that one out all these years later, but it's something cool to do when you win, I guess, right? So they're going to be shouting. They're going to be raising their hands in victory, right? They're going to be celebrating the win this in this year's Super Bowl. But the victory that they will be celebrating will not be theirs alone. 
Listen to what I mean by that. A football team is made up of members that are both seen and unseen. There's the 53 guys on the field. There's the coaches. There's the supportive staff, right? There's the ball boy, right? There's, there's the people that are sitting in the stands. There's the city they represent. And then there's the fans that are near and far. There's some of you that when you're, well, all of you, that when your team wins, you act like you were on the field. I'm serious. It's like, no, we won that game. Right? Unless you're a Browns fan and it's like, we won a game. (laughs) Or a Jets fan. Or a Giants fan. That was bad. Man, I'm so sorry. Bad pass. So let's get back to the text. Right? <laughs> I swear I don't come up with this stuff on my own. <laughs> but listen to what I'm saying. When the team wins, the win is shared by many. Shared by many. And here's the thing, that the same is true when we, the church, when we, God's people, work as one so that everyone wins. I don't know if you realize this, that your victory is not yours alone. And what God is doing in your life is not yours alone. And where God is leading you is not yours alone. And the healing that God is bringing to your heart is not yours alone. And the transformation that you're experiencing is not yours alone. It's a shared victory. But oftentimes what we do is we seclude ourselves on this island called Someday Isle. Someday I'll build some relationships. Someday I'll connect with the body of Christ. Someday I'll go there. I'll do that. That island doesn't lead anywhere. That place does not work. Let me read to you what 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 26 says. It says, if one suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, think about this. While everyone on the football team is focused on a trophy, we, the church, the people of God, are focused on Every one as our trophy. Every one. Now, when you hear everyone, here's what we have the tendency of doing. We, we think in masses. We think of a majority of people. We think of a, a, a collective uh, gathering of people. But if you just think about everyone in light of a group, you miss the faces. You miss the stories. You miss the lives. You miss the transformation. You miss the move of God. And God wants you and I to be concerned with every single one. Because you matter, and 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 I matter, and we matter. And God is interested in every single one winning. Every single one winning. And so we, the church, are focused on every one as our trophy because we want every single one to win. It's not just the person sitting here. It's everyone we encounter. 
You know why we believe that way? You know why, why, why we here at Church at the Bridge believe that we're called to impact an entire city? You know why we believe that and beyond this city? Because it's God's heart. When God gave his son, he didn't give it for one person. He didn't give it for one select group of people. He gave it for the entire world. Because he loves the entire world. He loves the, the person who's broken. He loves the person who's hurting. He's love, he loves the person who's depressive. He loves the person who's suicidal. He loves the person who's been through much. He loves the person who thinks they have it all together. He, has, he loves the rich. He loves the poor. He loves the black. He loves the white. He loves the Chinese. He loves everything in between. And he loves Jets fans too. Amen. He loves us all. He loves us all. And so, for the next couple of moments that I have, I want to encourage you by saying this. Let's go for the win. Let's live in such a way where not only do we learn and grow in the victory that's ours in Christ, but everyone around us wins too. That's good stuff. That's good news. And so, there was a time in Israel's existence when they were at a low point. The people of God... These people, Israel, were in subjection to their enemies, a people known as the Midianites. And they were turning to false gods, uh, and and they were doing all kinds of weird stuff. But here's the thing about it, that in the midst of that, the little small crops that they were able to grow and the things that they possessed were repeatedly uh, being destroyed or taken from them by these raids that were uh, repeatedly happening through the hands of these people, the Midianites, their, their enemies. And so... Uh, They lived in such fear and they had gone through so much that these people began to live in seclusion. They began to hide. They lived in caves. They disguised whatever they were doing, all because they did not want their enemies to destroy them. Now, look, that sounds like a recipe for winning. But if you're not overcoming your giants, you're losing. If you're not facing them, you're losing. The Bible puts it this way in the book of Ecclesiastes. It says, one, can be knocked down. But two, you can withstand. And a threefold cord, it can't easily be broken. I want you to see something that God's recipe to win is numbers. But it's the right numbers. It's the right people. It's being surrounded by by, by what he's doing with the people that he's using. And so these people got to such an extent that to them it seemed like God had deserted them. But you see, in reality, he didn't. Because God is faithful and he remains true to his word and to his people, he orchestrates a great victory for the benefit of all by encouraging one person to take a step for all. A guy named Gideon. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but you're a solution God has created, and it's waiting to happen. Like, you're in places, and you have access to people and lives and circumstances that I don't have, that you might not have, or she might not have, but you're there. You're there. And God wants to use you not just to live victoriously, but to impact the lives of people so that they can live in victory, so that they can experience freedom, so that they can heal, and so that they can win in life. 
And so the book of Judges, chapter 6, verses 11 through 16, gives us some insight to Gideon's first encounter with God. And starting in verse 11, it says that the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abarzite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to God, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Listen to this, verse 13. Gideon replied, Pardon me, my Lord. Let me translate that for you. Excuse me? Who are you talking to? Me? Right? This is what he's saying. And so he says, pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord. Excuse me? You talking to me? That how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you. And you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. So get this. The people of Israel are in a dilemma. They're living in complete fear. They're subject to circumstances that they're not, they they really don't want to be in, but they're stuck. Right? And everything is going bad for them. And God says, I want to bring about a great victory in my people. But to do so, I have to start with one. And if you look at Gideon, he doesn't quite fit the bill of a champion. Right? He's afraid. He's scared. Right? As a matter of fact, the scriptures tell us that he's in a wine press threshing wheat. You know what that means? He's in the wrong place at the right time. Let me tell you what I mean by that. So he's a child of God like you. He's a champion in God's eyes like you. He's meant for victory like you. And God wants to use him to bring about a victory and impact the lives of others like you. But he's in a place where you're supposed to use for the purposes of making wine And instead, he's threshing wheat in hiding. Get this. God wants everyone to win. But it starts with you. The next time you complain about your community, the next time you worry about the circumstances around you, The next time you reflect on how unhappy you are with things in your home. The next time you find yourself thinking about the past and all those things. Just realize that God starts change with you. He says, you are the light of the world. 
You are the salt of the earth. Translation, you're my solution. And so it starts with you. And so I want us to examine how, 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 what we can learn from Gideon's life example. And the first thing that I want to encourage you with here is that it takes a winner to bring about a win. Now, here's what I heard somebody say. That's not me. And I beg to differ. As a matter of fact, God begs to differ. Gideon did not believe that he was a winner. He was living on the losing side of life by choice. By choice. He chose what he believed. He chose what he saw about his circumstances. Doesn't mean that his his circumstances weren't real, but his perspective of those circumstances robbed him of the power of God that was available to him. And so this guy Gideon is on the losing side of life by choice. He's living in hiding. He's fearful. He's doubtful. He's got all these things going on. And yet, he's a child of God, and he's living alone, and God meets him where he is. I believe that maybe, just maybe, for some of us here, God's speaking to you right now. Because you can identify with Gideon. You've been hiding in a wine press, threshing wheat. You've been living life and disguising your hurt, disguising your insecurities, Disguising your complaints, disguising your questions, your doubts. Disguising what God has called you to do. But you see, the thing is that none of that scares God away or changes his opinion of you. None of that. See, winning isn't determined by the wins you've had in life. Winning is determined by who you believe in. Let me break that down for you. Gideon's belief was based on what he saw about himself. It stands to reason then that because he was focused upon himself, how could he win? Listen closely to what I mean. God calls him, and and watch this. You got to notice what the scriptures say. That when God introduces himself to him and says, I'm calling you out, he doesn't call him Gideon. Instead, he calls him mighty warrior. I'm going to tell you why God didn't call him by his name. See, in those days, when you were given a name, those names were more than just words. It wasn't today where you said, oh, you know, we'll just pick one out the hat. And whichever one comes up, that's what we're going with. Right? It, doesn't, it didn't work that way back then. When you named your child, what you were declaring over them was destiny. And Gideon's name in the Hebrew means hewer of big trees. Here's what that means. He's one whose parents said, this guy's going to knock down obstacles in front of him. He's going to chop them down. He's going to hew those things down. He's going to clear the path. But the thing about it is that Gideon could not identify with that destiny and that name. He believed otherwise. And so instead of calling him by his name Gideon, God calls him by his identity. Mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. You might feel weak, but you're still a mighty warrior. 
You may have gone through some things, but you're still a mighty warrior. You may still have questions about God, but you're still a mighty warrior. You might not feel like you belong or whatever, but you're still a mighty warrior. You are a mighty warrior. And God calls you not according to your circumstances and not according to your fears. He calls you according to his identity that he's placed in you. You ever seen that little cartoon that says, God, don't make no junk? That's true about you. That's true about you. I'll give you an example of that. What do you see here? Right? Money, right? What, specifically, what do you see? $20 bill, right? If I take this $20 bill and I crush it up, is it still $20? Right? How about if I take this $20 bill, right, crush it up some more, right? Now I bang it up and I throw it against the wall, right, and I stomp on it, right? Is it still $20? Right, still $20, right? What if I take this $20 bill, right, and I scream at it and I yell at it and I spit at it, right, and maybe I, I rip a piece off of it, right? Is it still $20? I want you to understand something, that your value does not change in the sight of God. You are everything that he calls you to be, and he's created you for good things in life. He invites you to co-labor, to co-operate with him. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 puts it this way. Don't look for them on the screen because they're not there. Listen to the podcast. You'll get them. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8, 37 says, Knowing all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in a triumphal procession. And through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. Deuteronomy 24 says, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you, with you, to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. Listen, when the book of Corinthians says, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, when it says that he leads you in a procession of triumph, you know what it's talking about? It's talking about an old Roman practice. You know what Rome would do when they would conquer a land? They would go and they would take this land and they would, they, would, they would completely obliterate it. But the king, they wouldn't kill him. Not right then and there. You know what they would do with the king? They would take the king and they would cut his thumbs off. They would cut both his thumbs off so that he could never hold a sword again. He could never wield a sword. They would cut his thumbs off. They would strip him naked. They would beat him. They would ridicule him. They would spit on him. They would curse him. They would do all And then they'd bring him in chains. And as they brought him to Rome, here's what they would do. They would make a public spectacle of him before everyone so that everyone knew we no longer ever, never, ever, 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 never have to fear this enemy again. He's conquered and we are triumphant. And so when the Bible says that Jesus leads us in a procession of triumph, here's what he's asserting to us. Your enemy has been defeated. He is powerless. He can no longer wield power in your life. You are free and free indeed. So 
So God calls him by his identity. God calls you by your name, not victim, Victor. Victorious. You're not a victim. Stop buying into the lie of your past. Stop dwelling on the, on the challenges you went through. I get it. It happened. But something new is ahead of you, a new life. There's something better in store for you. So, as I was saying, winning isn't determined by the wins you've had in life. Winning is determined by the one in whom you believe. And your victory lies in your confidence in God and the people that he's placed around you. God wants you to win, but he hasn't called you to win alone. See, what you see in yourself matters. You're a winner because you're on a winning team, because you're called by God, because you're chosen by God, because you belong in the body of Christ, because you have a part to play in this great move of God. God says you are chosen. He says you're made for a good work. He says you're strong. He says you're wise in Christ. He says you are the light. God says you can. Question, what do you say? Get this. Gideon was focused on what he didn't like about himself. God says, mighty warrior, I'm going to bring about a great victory for all to win. And Gideon says, well, my family is the weakest of all the clans and tribes of Israel. He says, we're from Manasseh. We're little people. We don't even go out and fight. Right? He says, God, I'm the least in my family line. You know what he's saying? In the Hebrew, he's saying, I'm the youngest. I'm too young. I don't have experience. I don't know enough. I don't know you, God. I don't know your word. I don't feel capable. I don't feel like a part of something. I feel disconnected. And God says, but I still choose you. And I've still called you into this body. I've still designed you to win. And so Gideon is focused on what he didn't like about himself. He was also focused on a lot of questions, doubts, concerns. Look, things that we all go through. But all these things were leading him to miss what God saw. And he was missing what God wanted to do in the lives of others through him. I know for some of us, we're comfortable with missing what God sees about us. We'll settle for that. But let me tell you that somebody's life depends on you knowing who you are in Christ. Somebody's victory lies in you learning who you are in Christ, mighty warrior. God's calling you out. God's calling you out. And so don't allow your questions to rob you of your answer. One of the things fueling Gideon's doubt, like I said, was that he was living in hiding. He was alone. And when you choose to live life alone as a child of God, it's a guarantee that you will live with doubt and struggle to find answers. But you know why? Because your answer lies in his people. I've said this here many times before. 
And I, am firm, I firmly believe what the book of Isaiah says, that it does take iron to sharpen iron. Listen, it does take a man to sharpen a man. It does take a woman to sharpen a woman. It does take a believer to sharpen a believer. It takes a mother to sharpen a mother. It takes a, a, a teenager to sharpen another teenager. It takes a body to sharpen and build and lift a body. It takes a people who love God to sharpen and build and touch people who might not know him. That's you. God calls you iron. And he says, as iron sharpens iron, so you sharpen the countenance of another. And so you can't allow your questions to rob you of your answers. Listen, there's nothing wrong with having questions. I have questions. But listen to the danger of robbing yourself of the answer that lies in the people around you right here, right now. Proverbs 15.22 says this. It says, without consultation and wise advice, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors, they are established and succeed. You ever been in one of those situations where you're trying to figure something out and you pull all your hair out like I did? You ever been in one of those? Right? I feel your pain, brother. I, I can identify. I feel you, brother. I feel you, bro. We're we, we here. We're right here. No, you ever been in one of those situations where you are completely and utterly frustrated and you are trying to figure something out? Chances are you're doing it alone. Chances are you're doing it alone. You're doing it alone. And what we see here is that when we do it alone, the plans that we perceive and the way we think it's all going to work out, it leads to frustration. But when we have counsel, when we surround ourselves with wise advice, I'm not talking about just people. I'm talking about people that actually offer something that can lift you up. If you're going to go to a believer, that's great. But go to a believer that will actually point you to God and his word. We all come with experiences. That's fine. And you may have learned some things through your experience, but if the experience that you share does not point somebody to put their trust in Jesus, don't share it. Because it's not wisdom. It's not wisdom. We need wisdom. We need counsel that points us to God. And the thing is that Gideon had no counsel. He had questions, but he had no counsel. He wasn't in relationship with the people of God among him. And thus he was frustrated. He was fearful. He was scared. He had questions. He had doubts. He struggled because he secluded himself from his answer. There was a victory ahead of him, but it wasn't for him to do alone. It was with people. In seclusion, Gideon's doubts, his complaints, and his questions had a chance to breed and grow. And they became the very thing that robbed him of the answers contained within the people that God placed around him. You know, sometimes we rob ourselves too. We doubt, we question God while failing to realize that our answer does not come independent of God's people. I'm just trusting God. Good. That's awesome. But are you surrounding yourself with counsel? Are you growing and drawing from the life-giving power of God working in his people? 
You know, I remember a while back we went to uh, Staten Island and hang out with some of my family. And uh, I ran into one of my cousins who I hadn't seen in a couple of years. And she brought her son. Um, and, uh, you know, I, we're, we're catching up. And she's telling me all about how they're doing and everything. They live in Pennsylvania now. And, you know, her son, you know, he's 10 years old now, Jeremy. And I'm like, man, he's gotten so big. And then she starts telling me about the fact that he is now playing the tuba, right? And she says, he loves playing the tuba. She says, but it didn't make sense to us in the beginning. I said, well, what are you talking about? She says, we would listen to him practicing in his room, and we were asking questions like, what is he doing? But, 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 but. Jeremy, are you sure you know what you're doing? I got this, Mom. I know what I'm doing. That doesn't sound like a song. That doesn't make no sense. And then they went to the concert, and they heard it all in perfect symphony. And as they heard this entire band play, and they heard the parts of the tuba, they said, Ah, I see. It makes sense. Fits. I'll tell you why I share that with you. Because it literally is the same way when it comes to the body of Christ. It doesn't make sense that God works through people. Because people hurt us. It doesn't make sense that God speaks through people. Because after all, I know your faults too. Right? It, do, it, 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 it just doesn't fit in our rational mind. And yet what we need to see is that God has created this in such a way that you play a part and I play a part and she plays a part and he plays a part and we all play a part. And when we come together, there's this beautiful harmony that develops as we work in symphony all together as one body. So they were stuck on these questions, not realizing that he understood the answer. I'm playing a part in something bigger. See, God has brought you to the right people. God has brought you into the fold. Listen, whether you believe in Jesus or not, I I pray that you understand this, that you belong. That your life is important. That your life has value. It's so valuable that God says, I can't do this without you. That's how valuable you are. He could do it all on his own, but he'd rather do it with you. Get this, it'll work better that way. In Judges chapter 7, verses 1 through 7, it says that early in the morning, Jerub... Baal, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod, and the camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. And the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men, I cannot deliver Midian into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me, they would say. And now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. And so 22,000 men said, me, 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 send me back. I'll go home. 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. 
Take them down to the water, and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. And so Gideon took the men down to the water, and there the Lord told them, separate those who lap the water with their tongues uh, as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that I lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. And so Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. So I want you to get a picture of what happens here in regards to this point that God has brought you to the right people. Gideon says, all right, well, God said we're going to win this battle and I'm going to help lead the way. And so he makes a call to all the men of war. In Israel. And 32,000 men show up. Dun, 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 we got this. And God says, you got too many people. What do you mean, God? He says, listen, the majority of them are afraid. But in addition to being afraid, when this win comes about, they're going to take the credit for it. They're going to say, we did this. And I want you to see how I work, how I bring victory into your life. And so he says, let them know whoever's afraid and wants to go back home, go. And 22,000 sign up. Send me home. No draft for me. I'm not going to war. So they leave. Gideon, I imagine, looks around and he goes, well, it's still a packed house, you know. We're still standing shoulder to shoulder. I feel confident. And God says, no, 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 no. You've still got too many. And he says, so take them and I'm going to show you. Which ones are for you and which ones aren't? Get this picture. God has people that are meant to go shoulder to shoulder with you and help you into your victory. It's called the church. It's called his people. And so he says, the ones that go to drink water and get on their knees and just dive their face into the water, he says, those aren't the ones that are for you. He says, but the ones that go and approach the water and cup their hands and lift it to their mouth and lap it like a dog, he says, those are the ones that you want. I'll tell you why. Because the ones that got on their knees and went all in for the water lost perspective of everyone that was around them. Their concern was for me and my thirst. It's about me. But the ones who picked up the water and cupped their hands and lapped it, they're watching everything around them. They're still conscious where their sword is. They're ready for war. I want you to know that God will show you the people that he has for you to win. Now get this. While there may be people that will be disqualified on that journey, remember this. The 22,000 that were afraid were still God's people. And they still enjoyed a portion of this victory. And the 9,700 that got disqualified because they were concerned with themselves, yeah, those guys too, they were destined to win as well. Just because God removed somebody from your life does not mean that God does not have a purpose for them. You just might not be the one to bring a solution to them. (laughs) 
Which leads me to my next point as we start wrapping up here. That God has brought you to people that will not run from the victory, but will run with you into the victory. I'm reminded of a story I heard quite a few years ago about geese. I think I read it in National Geographic or something. You know, geese are interesting animals, right? They honk. Honk, 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 honk. You ever see them flying over your, your house? You, wait. you ever see them flying? They, they fly in a formation, a V, right? But here's what's interesting about geese. The way they operate, the way they fly is this. The one in the front, right, is leading the way, right? But as they create this V, as they all flap their wings, they create a gust that empowers the one in front of them. And so as they're flying, they're powering the one in front of them. And the one behind, the very last one, is the one that you hear going honk, 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 honk. But watch this. Eventually, the one in the front gets tired. And you know what they do? The one in the front comes to the back. And the one in the back goes to the front. And they circle, they circulate their energy, and they continue to go forward. You know how they make it? You know what the one in the back is doing? He's saying, keep going. We got this. We're still on track. Listen, don't give up. Don't look back. Keep flying. I got you. He's got me. We've got each other. They're continually encouraging one another. See, God has brought you to a people that are not going to point out to you your flaws. Let me say something here. I get it. For some of us, we, we've been in these church circles. And for some of us, what we're used to is somebody telling us how bad we are in God's eyes. We're used to somebody reminding us about the fact that we fall short. But what I want you to know is this, that that's not God. If God still has to focus you on your sin, then what do you need Jesus for? Listen, God does not spend his time saying, you dropped the ball again. You're a dirty little sinner. You messed up. You're jacked up. Look at everything you've done. No, 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 no. God reminds you of your new nature, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God tells you about your best so that you can live your best life. If God still has to remind you of your sin, then what Jesus did wasn't a sufficient payment. And God has brought you to a people. And I can't speak for anyone else, but if you call church at the bridge home, I guarantee you this. We will only point you to your identity in Christ. We will only remind you about his promises. Now, if you struggle with that, just know this, that you're managing a tension between who you were and who you are. And it's time to let that go. It's time to move forward. As we close here, I want to share with you that God has brought you to a people that understand that we rise by first lifting others. Romans 15.1 puts it this way. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of those that are weak and not to please ourselves. Get this. While Gideon now has 300, he hasn't forgotten the 22,000. And he hasn't forgotten the 9,700. 
He's not focusing on the numbers anymore because now he knows greater is he that's with me than he who's in the world. He understands we got this. We can win. We can win. And so what he does is he begins to, he takes these 300 men and they begin to lift one another up and encourage one another. The Bible says, if you track with this story on your own time, what you'll see is that their enemies, the Midianites, a guy has a dream. And in this dream, he's sharing with somebody, he goes, what could it mean? And the guy goes, man, that means that the Israelites are going to destroy us. We're done for. And so they're afraid. They're afraid. But you see, watch how this worked. They get so afraid, and these guys are just telling themselves, all right, tomorrow when we step into battle, you know what we're going to do? You blow your horn, and I'm going to blow my horn, and we're going to take these, 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 uh, these uh, fire candle things, whatever you want to call them. It escapes my mind right now. And, and we're going to drop them. We're going to throw them on the floor, and we're going we're to shout, and we're going to declare the victory, and we're going to go forward. But this whole time... They're not tearing each other down. They're building each other up. Whether you call church at the bridge your home or wherever you call home, or if you don't have a home, I want you to know something, that in the kingdom of God, we rise by lifting each other up, not tearing each other down. That's how we grow. That's how we experience the move of God. And so eventually Gideon goes into the battle with these 300 men. And they do this, they raise their swords, they throw their candles down on the floor and they break it and all that, and they shout. And the Bible says that their enemies, they're ready for battle, and as they're advancing, they look at one another and they go, man, I'm, I'm so glad you're next to me. <clears throat> and they stab each other. And they start killing each other. And the men, of the, 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 the guys with Gideon are running into battle and they go, this is easier than we thought. We, wait, I, 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 thought, I thought that victory worked, that we had to do something. And what God showed them that day was this. Listen to, listen, listen to what God taught them that day. That alone we can do so little, but together God can do so much. God can do so much. God can do so much. When we begin to bind our hearts and draw together and glean from one another and encourage each other and build each other and look to God together. And I'm praying for you and you're praying for me and I'm calling you and you're calling me. And I'm going out with you and you're going out with me. And we're having some coffee and we're getting to know each other and we're growing together in unity and community. A move of God begins to happen. One that pulls us outside of life alone. Go for the win. Today I want to encourage you to go for the win. But if you're going to go for the win, just realize this. That the win is about your victory, but the victory that you bring into the lives of others as well. Let's stand here today. Heavenly Father, we just come to you in the precious and mighty name of Jesus. As we sang earlier today, I know and I declare, Lord, that we're going to see the victory. 
We're going to see the victory in marriages. We're going to see the victory in homes. We're going to see the victory in communities. We're going to see the victory in broken places. We're going to see the victory in depression. We're going to see the victory in suicide. We're going to see the victory in our emotions. We're going to see the victory in our thinking. We're going to see victory wherever we go because, Lord, you're the one who fights the battle before us. And you invite us to win. Today, Lord, these, your people, they are strengthened. Man, I believe that there are mindsets being changed right now. I believe that for some of you, you're seeing something of more precious value than whatever you've looked at before. I believe that you're done complaining and crying and moaning. I believe that your season of tears is done and your season of joy is now ahead of you. And you're walking into it. I believe that you're healing. Because now you know the fight's not yours. It's God's and you win. You win. You win. Father, we we say thank you. Thank you, God. And Lord, open our eyes to see those around us. Those who might believe differently, Lord. Those who struggle, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that there's anoint, there, there is an anointing on each one of us, Lord. To share this gospel with power and demonstration. And so, Lord, we pledge, we commit, Lord, to not only bind and grow together with one another, but, Lord, to go forward and bring victory into the lives of the hurting and the lost. This week, some of you, you're going to run into somebody and you're going to get the opportunity to declare that victory to them. Declare the goodness of God to them. Share your story because it's their story. Watch God do some amazing things. Let's bring the win home to everyone. It's very possible that there's someone here today and you don't know God. You've struggled with this whole idea of God, but today you're seeing, man, I've been living on the sidelines of life. And I haven't been enjoying the victory that's mine. I've been struggling and fighting and trying to do this on my own. Today God says to you, no more. And if you believe that, then here's what you need to know. That God loves you so much that he paid the ultimate price that was due for sin. He died on a cross so that you and I wouldn't have to pay that price. He loves you so much. The Bible says that he did not come into the world to condemn it, but to save it. God's not judging you. God's not condemning you. God's not pointing out your faults to you. He wants you to know you're a mighty warrior. And so today, if you believe that with us, and you believe that Jesus loves you, and that he died and he rose again for you, pray this with us. Say, Jesus, I believe. You are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me. And so this day, I declare you're my Lord and Savior. I call you my God. And from this day forward, I accept the truth that I'm a winner. That I can. That I will. That I must. That victory is mine. Come on now, in Jesus' name, we are celebrating life change in this place. Father, we thank you for all you've done. Don't leave here without sharing someone your, with someone your victory. Now, Father, we thank you for all you've done and for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you again. Have a great week.
Hey friends and family, thanks again so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that God spoke to you directly through this message. And if he did, we want to know. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can even give us a call at the office to let us know how God spoke to you. Don't forget to also share this message with a friend, a co-worker. Share it on your social media stories. You never know who in your life may be blessed by this word. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast, and we'll see you next week.